This podcast may contain spoilers for anything that has aired on Disney+, Plus, as well as anything appearing in the comics that the show is drawn from. And ancillary materials such as trailers. Yes, we will also be theorizing based on those comics and trailers, so proceed with caution. to Welcome to Westview. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we have a lot to talk about this week. We do. We have the episode, but also a new trailer. Okay, so we should we should get the trailer stuff out of the way first, right? Okay, yes. So a new mid-season WandaVision trailer dropped. I am so excited. So many things I was concerned about after this last episode, which I liked, but it made me nervous. Yes. Were kind of addressed in the trailer to such an extent that I feel like Disney Plus wanted to address those concerns. Okay, so the big thing is this episode is really billing Wanda as the villain mm-hmm. of the piece. And I feel like the trailer was kind of released maybe to put out some fires on that front. Because the trailer doesn't explicitly say hey someone is doing this to wanda or wanda may not be as in control as she seems here but it seems to be steering us away from thinking that wanda is the out and out villain of this piece i wrote down the line that we hear wanda say which is i don't know how this started also the uh the phrasing of the text in the trailer Yes, A world that is built for you. So, yeah, I was very excited to see that it looks like we are not going to go down the powerful women don't know how to control their power and destroy everyone around them trope, so that's exciting. House of M, darker than Scarlet. I'm really enjoying WandaVision thus far, but it's a very good story up to this point that is based off of a lot of very bad stories. Yes, and we discussed that a lot last week, so. I also was glad, I didn't really have any doubts about this, but I was glad to see from the trailer that we are going to go back to the sitcom style after this episode. Honestly, I was mostly relieved on Friday when we sat down to watch it, and I saw that this episode is called We Interrupt This Program. An interruption, implying that we're going back to the sitcom style next week, which does seem to be the case. And last week I said that I suspect that the 80s episode is going to draw from Family Ties a lot. And I have to say, one of the houses that we saw really looked a lot like the Family Ties house, so I'm, I'm sticking with that. Okay, so we're going to have to watch some episodes of Family Ties? Yes, I will have to show you some Family Ties episodes. Okay, because we've been watching Full House to prepare for the 90s episode we're assuming is coming up. Yes. I mean, we skipped over Family Ties because it reads a little different today to watch a show where the hero is a Reaganite than it did in the 80s. Oof. Yeah, Alex, you're uh, so concerned about your friend who's not getting help for the mental issues he has. Maybe, uh, Maybe ask your buddy Reagan about that a little bit. Yeah. So just a couple random things from the trailer. Mm -hmm. I love that we see the talking head 
from a documentary style. Modern family-esque modern sitcom. Yes, I love that they're doing the talking heads thing for modern sitcoms. And also the line where Darcy is crying and she says, what? I'm invested. I just wrote, it me. Well, that's the thing about the episode we're talking about today. Oh, that's a nice segue. I didn't even mean to do that. I'm calling this episode Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the TV show Black Mirror, it refers to electronic devices and the way they reflect us back to us. Black Mirror. And wow, wow, are Darcy and Johnny us. Okay, so this show's been doing a lot with meta narratives. It's been a lot of using sort of the themes of old TV shows to talk about Wanda. Mm-hmm. The assimilation thing from bewitched the creation of non-traditional families from the brady bunch yes now i like this because this episode is stepping back from that and it's a meta narrative about consuming television which is such a fun thing to do in a tv show about television to take a break and have just outside forces being us who are analyzing the TV show to look for hints to see what's going on. It's really, really a fun concept. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode a lot more than I thought I would. I was not looking forward to venturing into the MCU, but yeah. they they stuck the dismount on this one. Yeah. Again, it's it's I really like the concept behind this episode. I'm okay with the MCU. I like a lot of MCU stuff fine. I feel like we've talked about this. I'm not going to talk it to death here. But I, I'm I'm not like someone who's super into the MCU. Right. And a lot of people were like, if you like this episode, which we did, uh, and if you're calling for a, you know, Agent Wu spinoff, watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm like, no, no, no. I... I... I really, really want to give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. another shot. I hear it gets better. I hear it it hit, it really picks up after a certain point. But... Honestly, I had trouble with the first season, but the AV Club published Just Watch These Episodes in the first season ages and ages ago, when the first season first concluded. Maybe I should fish that out and, and just do that. Yes. So, as a quick catch-up, Wanda Maximoff and The Vision are trapped in some sort of vague sitcom world that runs by sitcom rules. The Vision, by the way, dead as hell. That's all you need to know going into this. The Vision died, but he is alive again. Here in in Westview. In Westview, in this sitcom world. Last episode implies that the world is under Wanda Maximoff's control. Wanda Maximoff has very ill-defined magic powers. And in the last episode, we saw her... What eject a, what appears to be expel Geraldine from the world. Yes. Now, I actually want to bring up something that's on the previously ons. All right. So two weeks ago, before episode three, the previously on showed the moment where Wanda meets Geraldine, but they cut it a little bit. So she just says, hi, I'm Geraldine or whatever. We see that moment again here on the previously on, But it shows the whole moment, so we see her introduce herself and say, I'm, um, Geraldine. Yeah, there's a significant pause there, which got cut out in the last previously on, but is here. Yes. I noticed, but didn't mention last week, that they cut that pause out, 
And then, you know, it's reinserted here. The previously on also reminds us that Geraldine has the sword logo, just in this case on a little necklace, and that the neighbors don't trust Geraldine, that there's something about her that doesn't fit into the world. They don't know. She doesn't seem to have any connections to anyone. They don't know where she's from. They don't know where she lives. And the last episode ended with her magically getting punted from the town. This episode starts with... I was going to say, you said all you need to know. There's actually a pretty big thing you need to know at the start of this episode. Okay, yeah, we're getting back into the MCU thing. All right. In the MCU, there was an event that made half of the world's population disappear for five years. In the MCU, they call it the blip. Mm-hmm. And we know, we know, because we are watching the movies, you know, the rest of the world doesn't know this, but we know, that Thanos performed the snap and just magically... I'm going to say magically. I know it wasn't magic. I know it was the Infinity It was magic Stones. enough. He magically wiped out half of the world, and we saw them kind of all disintegrate to dust. And then we got that meme yeah. of Peter Parker disintegrating to <laughs> dust. So... In the next movie, Endgame, the snap gets undone, and everybody comes back into existence. Five years later. Five years later. And I love, because the movies, they're all action movies. We don't really examine what that looks like on a ground level. But here, the show opens with Monica Rambeau, also known as Geraldine, Recoalescing after the blip. She went out and she is coming back to being right now. You might remember Monica Rambeau as being that little kid in the Captain Marvel movie. She was actually the first female Captain Marvel in uh, Marvel. In the comics. Yeah. I mean, you can't say she's the first one ever because Mary Marvel technically is a Captain Marvel and uh, predates her, but it's from a different company. Yes. Yeah, let's not get into the weeds on that. Yes. Monica is kind of perpetually underserved by Marvel as oh, a character. Tell me about it. She did get to lead Next Wave, and God willing, there will be some sort of Next Wave property, hopefully dis- on Disney+, Plus because they seem to have more wiggle room as to what they can do narratively. They seem to know what they're doing with Marvel properties, so... So far. So... Monica reconstitutes after the blip. And when she blipped out, she was sitting at her mother's bedside. Her mother apparently was recovering from surgery, from a, from cancer surgery. And now Monica has reformed and is looking for her mother. She doesn't realize what's happened. And of course, it is chaos in the hospital because all these other people are reforming. People are like taking up beds that they weren't taking up before and running around not knowing what's going on. She tries to stop a, a, an orderly at one point, but he clearly has just coalesced. He says he needs to go call his wife. Mm. One of the things, I think it was a good move, but I do appreciate that they're going into a little bit more here. The next Marvel movie that came out post the blip being a thing in universe was Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. So they did address a little bit with the kids. Well, yeah. They, how the how the blip affected them. Yeah, they kind of, although they kind of skipped ahead a little bit, 
like it's like okay it's been a few I, I feel like it was a few months into everyone coming back from the dead and it's like okay we're all trying to reorganize our lives and i appreciate that they did that because it kind of it was funny it was funny how they had the explanation for what happened with the blip be in this like really crappy slideshow a kid was doing as part of a school project. It was it was a retrospective that the school TV studio kids were doing. Yeah, yeah. and it was it was like a crappy PowerPoint thing that was set up by a bunch of high schoolers. Like, and they clearly like they stole an image of the vision off of the internet, so it's all pixelated and stretched outward. Like that was a fun way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But this is more like oh. Turns out things would be kind of chaotic, you know, with everyone coming back from the dead. Also, it's so lucky that all of Peter's social group got caught up in. Yeah, because otherwise all of Peter's friends were blipped along with him. So they're all the same age when they come back. Otherwise, they all would have been five years older. Which it's a running gag in the Spider-Man movie that one of the characters had a younger brother before they got blipped. And now the younger brother's older than they are. Yeah, he was like an eighth grader when they got blipped. And now he's like... A handsome senior. Yeah. So Monica's looking for her mom, uh, Maria. And she runs into the doctor who treated her mom, who thankfully remembers her and tells her her mom died. Uh, Monica's confused because the procedure went well. And the doctor tells her, no, the cancer came back later and she died two years ago. Yeah, Monica doesn't understand, I mean, obviously she just came back from not existing for five years. She doesn't understand how much time has passed since, honestly, I I don't know if this really matters out, it it kind of feels like she fell asleep and she got blipped in her sleep and then she came back as she was wake, like, she came back and woke up because of that. Yes, she she was asleep next to her mom's bedside. I don't know if... That added to her disorientation. If the people who were blipped knew that they were blipped, I think they might have because, like I said, the orderly that she ran into who had obviously just recoalesced was saying he had to go call his wife. So I think the people who were awake when the blip happened were aware that it was happening to them, but she missed all of that by virtue of just dozing off for a minute. A very important (laughs) minute. I mean, I think it's fair because most of, I mean, I know they had to because there was a big fight scene in Endgame, but most of the people who got killed by the blip came back ready to punch Thanos in the face, like, immediately when they came back. Yes. Speaking of the Scarlet Witch. So, then we go to S.W.O.R.D. Headquarters. Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division, which is real different than what it is in the comics. So, in the comics, S.W.O.R.D. fights aliens yeah it's an alien threat thing i it makes sense that they would have changed it here to sentient weapon mm-hmm. and of course the question is what mutants it, sorry go on there are all sorts of things sentient weapon could mean right i mean i feel like since we haven't really brought the x-men universe into the mcu yet mm-hmm. that sentient weapon is not going to mean mutants right now i mean obviously there are like a bunch of superpowered people in the Marvel universe, so that this could apply to. Right. Well, when we do get mutants in this universe, because we know it's coming, we know we're going to get mutants here. Yeah. And when that does happen, I highly suspect that Sentinels are going to come from Sword. 
Sentinels are the giant robots that hunt down mutants in the comics. So... Uh, Sentient weapons, though. Mm. Another possible interpretation of sentient weapons is all of the crap that we have to deal with as a fallout of Tony Stark. Mm. Meaning Ultron and, you know, to some extent, the Vision. Yeah. Which is funny because in the Marvel Universe, we would be worried about dealing with fallout from Hank Pym's science experiments but that hasn't really been brought into the mc we only we only really see his ant-man experiment yeah i mean hank pym is much more benign in the mcu mm-hmm. yeah he's which is fine it's he, he'd have to be you can't root for hank pym as he appears in marvel i mean there's a reason they went with scott lang as the ant-man here because i don't want to say he's the most bland ant-man but he's the least offensive ant-man don't get me wrong, I love me some Eric O'Grady, I love me some Hank Pym, but they're both objectively pretty awful people. Especially Hank Pym, because he was a male scientist in the Silver Age, which is basically the worst you could... <laughs> it's the worst thing you could possibly be. See also Reed Richards. Ugh. Which... Oh god, I wonder if this is how we're gonna get the Fantastic Four. I mean, they're gonna have to do it eventually, right? That's definitely the attitude you want when introducing a new property in, but they're going to have to do the Fantastic Four eventually. The only Fantastic Four movie that has ever worked is The Incredibles. The Fantastic Four actively resists becoming a good movie. Well, that's because The Incredibles knew to do a good Fantastic Four movie, it basically has to be a family movie and not an action... Well, it's an action movie, but it needs to be a movie about a family and... That's not what we've got with the other Fantastic Four movies. I didn't see Fan Four Stick. I can't accurately judge it. I liked Chronicle. Do you remember the TV show No Ordinary Family? I do. I watched a couple episodes of that. It had um, that guy from that cop show who played Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis. He had super strength. And was it Darla had super speed? Darla from Buffy had super speed. Yep. And then they also had two kids. See... Fantastic Four should be a sitcom. Bring, and bringing us back to WandaVision, but Fantastic Four should be an actual sitcom. Yeah, TV show, sitcom, fun, sciencey adventures. I mean, come on, isn't that like half of the Disney live-action shows? Get on that, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. You're, you're doing a great job with WandaVision so far. So get on that when you're done. Do best friends whenever with adults. Well, that's a totally different thing, but yes, I want that. It, well, it, I mean... Barry from Best Friends Whenever is basically a more benevolent Reed Richards. Oh, sure. But also do a Best Friends Whenever sequel series about the future Sid and Shelby that we see in the finale of season one. So, Sword! So, Sword. Monica shows up at Sword headquarters. She apparently had a job there at some point. I don't want to say nepotism because I'm sure Monica is great at her job, but it has to kind of... It has to kind of weigh on you if your mom's the founder of an organization and you work for that organization. Yeah, we learned that her mother, Maria Rambeau, is the one who founded the organization. I love that Monica just went to work and tried to get in with her key card five years later. She didn't call anyone or anything. Well, the security guy's being a huge dick about it. And he's like, well, you're not in the system now. And the director, who looks so familiar, but I didn't look up who he had it. He was he was on The Good Wife. The Good Wife is what I know him from. He's been on a lot of stuff. Yeah. The character has a name, which I'm sure is significant, but I honestly don't read a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff because I find secret agent stuff kind of boring. I'm sure he's a significant character in the comics. 
he lets Monica in. He is the acting director now. And he tells Monica that, you know, half their personnel got blipped and the other half didn't really want to go into space after that. And they've been running pretty bare bones since then. He's been trying to get it up and running, but obviously he's no replacement for uh, her mom. He seems like a kind of good dude, which makes me think that he's sinister and up to something. But I also think he might be a minor enough character, so probably not. Well, he's definitely a little sinister in that Monica points out that the job of S.W.O.R.D. used to be to observe sentient weapons and respond to them. And now it seems to be to create them. Mm. Also, he tells her that she's the first person who unblipped and came back to work. <laughs> like, n- none of the other unblipped people have shown up yet. And she's like, hey, that's my deal. Work hard. Work hard. You're actually more familiar uh, with Monica Rambeau as a character than This I is am. nothing like her backstory. This is not her backstory at all. Yeah, I was like, wasn't she like a part of the Coast Guard or something? Yeah, she, yeah, she, she, yes. And she's from New Orleans. There's like a whole thing. There's a whole really cool thing with her electricity powers and how that doesn't mix with water. So there's like this whole conflict within her. Because she's used to working on the water, but... I'm assuming that changed when her powers became more light-based. Well, it was just a thing she had to get over, like, not be afraid. Mm. Actually, her power is not just manipulating light or electricity, it's any energy. Mm -hmm. Which makes her ideal to team up with She-Hulk, and she hardly ever does. But we have seen a couple of times when she has teamed up with She-Hulk that she can amplify gamma radiation and increase She-Hulk's abilities if they work in tandem. It's one Just of those, throwing that out there. Well, it's one of those, like, why doesn't Dazzler work with Siren all the time? Because their power, like, Dazzler's right? thing where she turns sound into light would come. It works really well when you pair her with someone who has, you know, sonic powers because they can supercharge her. Yeah, She-Hulk and Monica are perfect teammates, and they only really hook up when they're both on the Avengers, which, as we talked before, with the Avengers being just a dumping ground for people whose own books are on hiatus, that... It's, but Monica doesn't appear to have powers in this uh, in this world yet. Yet, I'm pretty certain that in the course of this TV show, she's going to get them. Yeah. So, new director guy tells Monica that her mom never gave up hope that she was coming back. But she also put into place because her mom was so forward thinking. She put into place protocols for what to do when people unblipped, mm-hmm. and so. Monica, your mom, who has been gone for three years, has put you on desk duty. Specifically, she's going out to check on an event. Yes, so in the trailer they called it the Westview Anomaly, so let's just call it that. Yes, the Westview Anomaly. And apparently Westview is in New Jersey. She goes to Westview, New Jersey, and... which is also where A Year in the Life takes place. A Year in the Life also takes place in uh, New Jersey, although it takes place in a town called, I think, Angoria or... Ooh, I don't remember. Yeah, it, it doesn't take place in Westview, but it does take place in New Jersey. So, I love this. We see the town. You can see the town from where people are standing. By the way... Real, real shades of our last podcast, Welcome to Storybrooke, mm-hmm. because you can't cross the town line, and not only can you not really physically cross the town line, but people have, like, a sense that they shouldn't go there, which also happened in Once Upon a Time, where people just kind of 
felt a, a magical need to move away from the town line of Storybrooke. A psychic do not disturb sign. Exactly. So the FBI have already sent out their own guy. Yeah, they've sent out Jimmy Wu, FBI. So you might remember uh, Agent Wu, James Wu. I, I'm used to calling him Jimmy Wu because he's a, he's a comic character and he's right. Jimmy Wu there. I'm just going to call him Agent Wu. Sure. So uh, you might remember Agent Wu from the, uh, just the last Ant-Man movie, right? He wasn't in the first one. I think he was just I in the I think that is correct. Yes. Yes. I'm almost certain that's right. He's uh, Scott's parole officer, sort of high profile parole officer because Scott is, you know, a superhero. Mm-hmm. So clearly he needs a higher degree of parole officer. But uh, there's kind of a running gag in the uh, Ant-Man movie where Scott's been stuck in the house and he's been learning close-up magic and he's been doing all these card tricks. And uh, later in the movie, we see Agent Wu trying to do a card trick and failing. Uh-huh. And, and when he's introduced here, he does the card trick to give Monica his card, which is just a really cute minor touch. That is that is a very, that is a cool and very minor touch. I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out. I love stuff like that. Yeah, and I wouldn't have noticed it either. Like, if, if someone on the internet hadn't been like, hey, look, he's doing the card trick that Scott that Scott said he'd show him. And... I love the attention to detail in this show. So the reason Agent Wu is there is because he has a witness who's in witness protection who is out in Westview and he stopped hearing from him. So he came down here to, you know, check it out, see what's going on. And what he discovered is that... No one seems to know Westview exists. Despite the fact that we are standing looking at it, just to be clear. Yes, Monica took an off-ramp labeled Westview and there is a big Welcome to Westview sign. And we can see the houses, you know, in Westview. And the law enforcement just keeps insisting, no, there's no Westview. Never has been. Yeah, they're from Eastview. Yes, which is a whole thing. It is unusual for police officers to be stationed to be assigned to the town that they live in so it makes sense that here police who you would interface with when trying to find your witness in westview would actually not live in westview like it all works Mm. i mean that that shouldn't be how police departments are run that doesn't work but Uh, i I was going to say from a story perspective i'm sure there are reasons for that but don't get me started. We can't get into a thing here. So, Jimmy and Monica are like, okay, the police, to the vast surprise of no one, are not going to be of help here. Clearly something supernatural is going on. And Jimmy talks about, okay, look, I know someone in that town, but I still have memories. Maybe it's a, if you were in proximity when whatever happened to seal off the town happened. And he mentions, like... Yeah, Jimmy and Monica are trying to figure out what's different about them that they can see that it exists. Also, we know from the sign that, the Welcome to Westview sign, that there's over 3,000 people in the town. Trapped in Westview, yeah. Agent Wu points out that there is a psychic presence that's kind of pushing him back whenever he tries to head towards the town. Like, he is unable to go into the town because there is a force, a mental force pushing him back. They get a drone to try to 
fly in and see if they can get any information. Information. And we see on the drone that it has a number, which is 57. That's the same number that was painted on the helicopter that Wanda found in her hedges in the second episode. The helicopter that was in color, unlike the world at that point. Yes. And this drone flies into the town and disappears and sends nothing back. Okay, uh, not to take another diversion, but... Just as long as we're, I guess we're perpetually on the mutant train, I want to talk about a little something. I'm not saying that this is the thing that's going to introduce mutants into the MCU, although everyone's kind of assuming it is, and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but Jimmy Woo, as a character, actually predates Marvel. Right. He was a character back when it was Atlas Comics. Yeah. And it's not really mutant in the way mutants became mutants in Marvel as their own kind of subspecies. But if you want to be technical, you could argue that the first appearance of mutants was in a Jimmy Woo comic uh, in the 50s. The unfortunately named Yellow Claw, because it was named after the villain that he fought and... It's a whole unfortunate thing. But there's an issue where Yellowclaw has captured a bunch of mutants and is using hypnotism to force them to use their psychic powers to blah, 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 generic evil crap. And Jimmy Woo has to stop him because he's an FBI man. And I want to say a surprisingly not racist for the time period thing where it's just a basic action spy story that happened to have an Asian male lead, which Mm -hmm. is a cool thing. Uh, Unfortunately, the main character has a lot of, uh, the main villain. Yeah, the main villain looks a lot like World War II propaganda. Yeah, so you kind of, you lose all of the goodwill you built up by having, you know, hey, look, it's square-jawed, handsome, leading man Jimmy Woo, who's a... FBI agent. You kind of lose all of that when you look at the villain, but progressive for the time? It's like that gif of Bart dropping the you tried cake into the trash. Yeah, like, but Agent Wu being here, I feel like if you're willing to give a lot of people a lot of credit, this could be hinting at mutants being a thing being introduced in the series. Yeah. If you're willing to give a lot of people a lot of credit and assume that they're not just using a character who's already been established and has a lot of goodwill. because In the MCU. Who's been established in the MCU. Yeah. And who doesn't love Randall Park? I know. He's great. Yeah. So Jim from the office watches the drone fly and they immediately lose contact with it. Monica Rambeau notices that there is an energy field of some sort surrounding the town, which is appropriate that she would notice the energy field. Also, it doesn't repel her the same way it repels Agent Wu. I believe that it is giving her the same psychic go-away vibe. It's just that Monica doesn't do what anyone tells her to do, and especially not a sentient energy field. Mm. So she pushes her hand through it and then gets sucked into the town. And she is straight up gone. As soon as 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 she pushes her hand in enough and gets sucked in, there's no sign of her. So... Little time passes. 24 hours, according to the Chiron on screen. 
and we get an unmarked black van that has, what is it, four or five scientists, and one of which is Darcy from the uh, Thor movies. Yes, who is now Dr. Lewis. She asks the people in the van what their fields are because she's going to try to figure out, she's going to try to triangulate what it is they're going to investigate. And the one guy's like, we're not supposed to talk to each other. And she's like, uh, okay, cool people. What are your fields? Yeah, she says what her field is and the other scientists go around and they're all from wildly different disciplines. And she's like, ah, okay. So they have no idea what's going on here and they're going to try to get us to narrow it down. She is in astrophysics. Uh, Also, she knows Thor, so I mean. Yes. Someone else is in artificial intelligence. Someone else is a chemical engineer. They don't know what's going on. Hmm. They've really set up, uh, they've got this whole tent town set up around it. That was pretty quick. Yeah, because we saw it 24 hours ago. There was not a observation facility 24 hours ago. I mean, I guess uh, as soon as half of the population gets vanished for five years, you learn to... You learn to address this sort of thing pretty quickly. So, by the way, Darcy is very insistent that she be referred to as Dr. Lewis, not Ms. Lewis. I like that. Mm. Also, so we know that she... Got her doctorate. Yeah. Yeah. So, she gets uh, pulled into sort of a command center. She wants to know what they know. She also wants coffee. But I, I, I love this character so much. She wants to know what they know. And they tell her, oh, that's classified. And she's like, all right. You know nothing. Got it. Yeah, she's really on the ball here. I I love this actress. I'm Cat Dennings. Cat Dennings. I'm kind of sad that the main thing she's been in is uh, the Two Broke Girls. Yeah, I haven't rewatched the first two Thor movies in a while. I really I like the MCU fine, but it's one of those things where like I'll enjoy watching them in the theaters and then just not think about them after that. It's like a fun thing to go out and do with friends. Well, I really enjoyed the first Thor movie and the third Thor movie. I should actually rewatch those. Yeah. They seem like they could stand a rewatch. So, well, especially the third one. Although oh, the third yeah. one is basically ditching everything from the first two. <laughs> yeah, the third one is definitely its own animal. So Darcy takes out her tools and is studying the radiation. And she sees that there is something else coming from the town. Not just radiation, but what appears to be some sort of broadcast. She's like, okay, I'm going to need a really old TV. The kind that uses tubes. And we start getting the setup we saw at the end of the first episode. Right. So we now know that the person we saw taking notes and watching the television after the first episode, and we'll see that scene, but we know now that that was Darcy. So the sword men are going to send one of their own guys into the town to try to get information, retrieve Monica, do a lot of things. And they're sending him through the sewers. And I I like this because, you know, they're like, well, how do you know that whatever the anomaly is, it doesn't go down through the ground. And it's like, well, we don't. Yeah. Agent Wu points out, hey, this is a really bad idea. Like, we need more information before sending someone in there. And the guy's like, look, I kind of lost the last director's daughter after like a day. I really need a W. Oh, I didn't even think about how 
Monica is Maria's daughter. Oh, he must be feeling so much pressure to get her back. He had her for one day, and the first assignment he gave her got her disappeared. Oh, man. But they put this guy, Agent Franklin, we learn his name, We they put this guy in a hazmat suit, and they have a, a lead tied to him. And while the sword guys are dealing with that, they hear Darcy watching television. And they go over, and Agent Wu's like... Are those two, are those the Avengers? She's watching the first episode of WandaVision. And Darcy points out, she's like, look, I know a lot of stuff's happened, but he's dead, right? And she she emphasizes not blipped, dead. Yeah. He was killed. He wasn't blipped in the blip. Which I guess probably Black Widow or someone was feeding them information about this sort of thing because... Not a ton of people were around when Vision died. It's kind of understandable to think that, you know, he might have been blipped. Oh, sure, sure. Because he died literally. His death was the incident that gave Thanos the last stone he needed to... Right. The final stone was the stone that powers his, like, body. Yeah. And they ask... Agent Hayward, the sword guy... The main sword guy. He asked Darcy, is this real? And she's like, I have no idea how to answer that. I turned on the TV and this is what's being broadcast from the town. And Jimmy says, so you're saying the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers. Because this is us. This is us now. Yes. Again, I love how we're put in. Or rather, they're put in our shoes. They are the audience. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And and also, I love, I, I, I relate to Darcy so much, as I mentioned when we were talking about the mid-season trailer, because she has a job to do, but also she's just getting really invested. At the end of the first episode, when Wanda and Vision kiss, she goes, aw. Like, genuinely, like, aw. So... Agent was like, okay, we have to figure out what's going on here, what's doing this, and why. And Darcy's like, is it for our amusement? Because because <laughs> it's pretty amusing. All right, so now we're doing a montage where they're watching all of the people in the town and trying to identify who they are in reality. Because we know Wanda and Vision are real people. Yeah. I, okay, I'm so glad I pointed out the hexagonal design thing when I noticed it in the third episode, because it's one of the first things Agent Wu picks up on, and I'm like, yes, I caught that. Well, not just not just the hexes. If you look, because he, he writes on the board, why the hex got, why the hexagonal? Hexagonal? Is that right? Yeah, it sounds right. He writes on the board, why the hexagonal shape? And he, he probably means all of the wipes, all of the hexes that we see, but also, if you look... It looks like the shape of the anomaly is hexagonal. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. So we start to find out who these people are. Mr. and Mrs. Hart are actual people. An actual married couple, we're assuming. They're they share a last name, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Davis. And Norm is an actual person. Mm-hmm. And we, we, like I said, we see them placing this on a... We see a montage of them placing this on the board. And as has been pointed out, we do not see a real-world personality for Agnes. Mm -hmm. And we do not see a real-world personality for 
Dottie, who is Emma Caulfield. We see a picture of Agnes. Yes, she's. they put her up on the board, but they haven't put one of those printouts that shows who she really is next to her. There are notes, which are too hard to read, but there are notes there about Agnes, but we don't see what her name is. It's Agatha Harkness, come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> then Darcy drops her cup of noodle because she sees Monica Rambeau in a 60s dress sitting on a park bench in the sitcom. I do like the implication here that there are episodes we haven't seen. Yes. But throughout the course of the episode, when they are watching episodes that we have seen, there are things that we see that they don't. There are cuts in the things that they watch where we got to see more than they did from, I guess, the inside of the television world. Huh. It is interesting. Specifically, the scene where uh, Emma Caulfield breaks the glass. Which makes sense because, and we're, we're actually coming up to this right now, this is when they're trying to pierce through the television bubble. So it makes sense that they wouldn't get the complete feedback that we did. Darcy notices that, they're, that uh, Wanda washes dishes once an episode ish and uh, that there's a radio in the kitchen she's like look we can try to get onto the radio frequency from outside but we can only do it when it's on the screen right we only have access to it It, the town is only existing in these chunks we're seeing so they're setting up the telecommunications tower to try to cut into the radio frequency when a sword agent approaches them with an image from the latest broadcast showing what we saw in episode two, the toy helicopter, mm-hmm. which is in fact the drone, but it's colorized, even though, you know, the agent didn't do that. That happened in reality. And also... Which they point out. Yes, yes. They, they ask her, why did you colorize this? She says, I didn't. I also like... Jimmy's like, why did it change? And Darcy's like, I don't know, to match production design? I don't know. But that does seem to be the answer. Okay, I know it's not going to be the case. I really know it's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. If this ends up being a mojo thing, I will be so excited. Because introducing the X-Men into the MCU through use of mojo would be fan-fucking-tastic. But I know they're not going to do that. So, back in the control room, Darcy is relaying to jimmy what's happening she notes that it's a new location she's like she she talks about how the world is expanding she's like we've never been here before but there is a radio here yeah this is at dotty's pool party which we see in episode two and jimmy tries to connect to the radio and we know that she got through because we saw that in the episode we saw her hear it but all we see from Darcy's point of view, watching the screen, is the moment where Wanda starts to hear it, and then it cuts to Dottie saying, pop quiz. How does a housewife get blood out of linen? Which means we also don't see her cutting her hand and bleeding red. And then it cuts to the commercials we've been watching, which means the commercials are also being broadcast from out of Westview. Which, you think they would have more Hydra-based questions, given... Right? 
Well, yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, back in Plan A, Agent Franklin is crawling through the sewers. Yes, he's trying to get it. He's the guy who they sent to try to get into Westview from underneath, which is such a bad plan. Well, as soon as he crosses the barrier, his lead stops being whatever those ropes are actually made out of and turns into a child's jump rope and detaches from his suit, leading, you know, the agents to reel it up and see the end of a jump rope instead of rope, which is not comforting. Also, his hazmat suit turns into a beekeeper suit. We were talking about what the, you know, significance of the beekeeper suit was before when we were watching this, but... We thought it might be an aim thing. But I guess it just is what the production design decided a hazmat suit should be. When he emerges from the manhole, he's in color. It's hard to tell because it's nighttime and there's not a lot of color on his outfit. There's just a little bit of orange. But then as he turns and sees Wanda, he fades into black and white. Mm. So we cut back to everyone observing where where they are at the 70s episode now. Wanda's pregnant. Darcy and uh, Jimmy are talking about, well, Darcy asks Agent Wu if he wants one. She's eating chips, and he assumes that she's talking about a baby because Wanda is now pregnant. And he's like, oh, I thought about it. And she's like, a chip. And he's like, oh. And I get why people wanted a supernatural show with the two of them, because... By people, you mean me, and by wanted, you mean want, right? Yes. An X-Files-style show with Darcy and Jimmy, you know, going through the MCU and dealing with stuff. Oh, I want it so bad. Yeah. And I I do like, I I love Darcy's kind of nonchalance as she's watching everything. She's like, okay, so why does it keep jumping decades? Is it just for my entertainment? So... We get to, uh, we get to Wanda giving birth. Monica's there as Geraldine, and they're they're both very touched by the births of the babies. And then we get the uh, the break in reality, the break in the reality of the show. It's kind of interesting because we get the impression mm-hmm. that there are certain bits that get cut out. Like, we saw it with Wanda at the uh, at the pool party. Right. We didn't see the part where Dottie kind of broke reality and then snapped back to it. So, presumably, we also didn't see the scene where Mr. Hart was choking. Presumably, they didn't see the scene where Mr. Hart was choking because this is the first indication they give that there's been a break in the reality. Right. And that indication is when Monica says that Quicksilver was killed by Ultron. Yeah. So they they start paying attention because that means, wait, this is the first mention of our reality. And I think the reason this is happening is because Monica doesn't belong there. So she doesn't get written over. She, she, she'll get ejected, but she doesn't get written over. It kind of bothers me that we don't really see the lead up to this so much. We don't see... Wanda talking about her brother dying. She doesn't mention... We don't see her on-screen mention that she was twins. 
it goes directly from Monica helping her deliver the babies to Monica saying he was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? Presumably it still happened, but it also strikes me as a break in the reality of the show, Wanda mentioning that her brother died. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you Mm -hmm. because what we see is the babies being born and then we see Darcy and Jimmy watching the show and the point that you're talking about is when I started crying and we see Darcy crying and then we get the mention of Ultron and go back to the screen. So I believe it did happen. We just weren't watching the screen when it happened. I, I believe that it happened for Darcy and Jimmy. I believe they saw that bit. Which is interesting because I feel like that is also a break from the reality of the show. Wanda mentioning that she had a twin brother? Yeah. Mm, could be, although that's kind of vague enough that... Yeah, I mean, I guess these sort of sitcoms did have their tragedies to them. Yeah, I mean, people had... People had backstories, even if a lot of times sitcoms ignored them, Mm. (laughs) would mention them and then not come back to them. But there's sort of a smash cut again. Monica mentions Pietro. Wanda says, what did you say? She starts approaching Monica and then it cuts to credits. Right. So we don't see her expelling Monica. We don't see that really creepy moment when Vision comes back and asks where Geraldine is and Wanda says she had to hurry home. We're assuming, I, I'm assuming just in general that none of the Vision stuff from that episode appeared on screen for them. Oh, nothing where Vision was none of in he- Vision in, in, as himself as opposed to looking like a human? No, no. I mean, none of the stuff with him talking to Herb. Oh, yes, none of the stuff that happened outside the house, the the very creepy conversations with Herb and Agnes. I think that's probably right. So we cut back in to the reality of the show. This isn't being watched by Agent Wu and by Darcy anymore. Right, and this is in widescreen, not, not sitcom aspect ratios. Mm-hmm. I Part of me feels like this is a cheat because... Darcy and Jimmy aren't seeing this, and this isn't part of the sitcom. But on the other hand, Monica is witnessing it, so... Okay, I guess it's okay. I guess it's okay. So we cut back into the part that we didn't see last week, where Wanda is confronting Monica. She tells her she doesn't belong here. She's a stranger. She's an outsider. She's trespassing, and she wants her to leave. And we see... Wanda, you know, bring up her energy balls, her her, her red, hex bolts. her red energy, her red hex bolts, and throw them at Monica, who gets slammed through like the wall, like several walls and fences as she is shot out of the neighborhood. And then Wanda looks at herself, a little surprised. She she looks a little confused, a little concerned, and she uses her magic to heal all of the holes in the walls that she's created by you know throwing throwing Monica through them. Yeah. Everything kind of reorganizes and Wanda seems kind of out of it and then she sort of resets herself a little bit. Not as dramatically as it's not like when the vision got reset where there's a really obvious video effect, but she sort of seems to go back into herself, kind of like shaking off reality. And then the vision walks in and it's what we saw. Where's Geraldine? 
And we see, just like we saw before, Monica lying on the ground and being surrounded by sword agents. And as they gather around her, we cut back to we cut back to Wanda. She repeats these. She had to rush home. And when she turns and looks at Vision, she sees not Vision the way we've been seeing him, but dead Vision, the way he was killed by Thanos with his skull, like, pierced from... Thanos reaching in and, and ripping out his gem. My husband and his indestructible head oh. from the first episode. Oh. Yeah. She's, and, she sees him just with the front part of his head caved in, and she she kind of goes back into herself for a second, and then she looks back up, and he's whole. Yeah, he's, he's back to normal. He's vision again, which led me to think that perhaps... If she was doing it, she was doing it to keep Vision alive and not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Although the trailer makes us think maybe she isn't doing it. But Vision's like, look, if you want to leave, you can leave. It's it's okay. We we don't have to be here anymore. And one is like, no, this is our home. Don't worry. I have everything under control. And back in the real world... Monica's telling everyone it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. Which was the thing that made us all kind of hold our breaths when we were watching this and go, please don't make Wanda a villain. We want to love Wanda. And Wanda's like, okay, let's let's see what's on TV. And she picks up one of the babies. Vision picks up one of the babies. The two of them sit down on the couch. And... Episode over. By the way, the episode ends exactly where it ended last week. Yeah. So, uh, obviously the big takeaway from this episode is supposed to be, yes, Wanda is behind all of this. Yes, Wanda is going to be the villain of the piece. Which is why I think they dropped the mid-season trailer that has some hints that maybe she's not. Because... (sighs) So on Twitter and on Facebook, I asked our listeners, you know, everyone, what do you think of episode four? And I distilled the reactions both from our listeners and from other people that I saw around the web into three main responses. And some people had all three of these, more of them, Mm -hmm. whatever. So number one were people who were saying, I loved it. I need to see more right now. Mm -hmm. People who were saying, I hope that we don't stay in the MCU. I hope we go back to the sitcom style. Yes. And people saying, please, please, please do not make Wanda the villain. So I think it's significant that almost immediately we got the mid-season trailer that quelled those last two fears. Hopefully. Again, it's still pretty up in the air. One of the things we saw is Wanda and the Vision facing off in the house. Although that seems like it might be a misleading thing because it's just one cut of the two of them facing off power-wise. But it could be something else. Oh, uh, so speaking of a, a, a mislead... Just a couple other random things that our listeners said. Mm-hmm. Sam mentioned that Monica's wearing those fish pants. Mm-hmm. And the fish pants were part of the gag where the stork was trying to eat her pants. Mm-hmm. But he also thought that maybe it was because her being a sword agent in the last episode was in fact a red herring. <laughs> and also Jack pointed out, as we said, that we don't see a real world persona for Agnes. Mm. So... Yeah. Yeah. Part of the thing in the in the mid-season trailer was Agnes saying, I, I forget the exact phrasing, but do you want to do it again or do you want another take? 
Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, I watched it a couple times. I didn't notice that one. Oh, oh, I can't wait for the next episode. Oh. Yes. So they still got us on the hook. And one of the things that makes me think that Wanda's not going to be the villain is because... Everyone would hate it? Oh, no, because we're at the halfway point. Oh, oh, so if they're saying... So if they're suggesting that she's the villain now, it's way too early for that to be true. Yeah, it's too early in the show for a villain reveal. We've got at least four more episodes, right? Yeah. Four or five more episodes. So fingers crossed on her not being the villain because, again, I love WandaVision so much, but it is based on so many bad comics and... <laughs> or comics... I don't want to say bad. There are good bones there, but there's a lot of reason to fear how this is all going to conclude because every week it's like that was really good but it makes me more anxious about how it's going to end but so far they have not let me down yes so i don't have any television easter eggs this week because we weren't in the television universe other than to say that I maintain, as I said last week, that the 80s episode is going to be family ties based. Mm-hmm. So if you want to catch Easter eggs in Friday's episode, I suggest watching some episodes of Family Ties. And I kind of blew my big one, which is that I feel like the inclusion of Agent Wu is hinting at a mutant reveal by the end. That'll be interesting if that happens. Yeah. Also, just... Sword's whole deal makes me think that they might be gearing up to start introducing mutants. I mean, it seems really obvious that they're going to introduce the Sentinel program through Sword. Yeah. It, it just it just seems natural that that will be what happens. So that does it for us this week. Yeah. Yeah. This oh. was really good, but also I do want to get out of the MCU for a while. I need to get back into sitcom world. Well, I'm glad to see that we are going to, and I can't wait till Friday. Yes. So our show is partially listener supported. Mm -hmm. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Westview. Thank <laughs> you.